Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings and welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve, where we promise you if you invest a few minutes of your time, we'll save you days, weeks, months, even years by shortening your learning curve, stepping outside of our normal wheelhouse, because we're talking about something that every person on this uh, that's listening right now and watching right now has contemplated. It's about their future or their offspring's future, meaning bringing the next generation into the agricultural operation. Fresh eyes, fresh minds, fresh faces, fresh ideas. It's what we need. It's what all businesses need, bringing in the next generation. But it's always a touch more sentimental slash emotional slash somewhat stressful in the business of agriculture. 97% of all farming operations are family-owned operations. Be they structured as an LLC or any other kind of corporation, they tend to be very family-oriented. We also always have the emotion that goes along with that. So while I was um, making my trip to Denison, Iowa, to Garrett Land and Cattle Company, I said, you know what? Let's bring in the next generation. This is uh, my friend Connor. He is the oldest of the three boys here that uh, Kelly and Amber Garrett have uh, produced. And um, he's in his first year. So what we're talking about is the observations of year number one in the operation. Observations of year number one in the operation. You know, things look different when you're a 17-year-old or certainly when you're a 10-year-old and you're just riding around with mom and dad out there in a grain truck. Now, what's it like when it's your business, when you're working there? So that's what we're going to delve into. And I know this is something that's relevant to everybody that's listening because you've either been the replacement, the 22-year-old coming in, wondered if you would be the 22-year-old coming in or have a 22-year-old coming in. Connor, welcome. Uh, you've uh, you've been keeping up with what's going on. Your dad's one of the founders of Extreme Ag. Mm-hmm. Six guys that uh, are uh, forward-thinking, progressive-minded farmers, and uh, now you're part of the operation. So, um, just graduated from college in May. This is really your first season. Here we are, almost Halloween time. So you've been at it now for six months. About talk to me. Yeah, uh, graduated Iowa State with a degree in agronomy in May, um, moved home, I guess, didn't really feel real up, up until here recently. Uh, I've been home summers for ever, I guess, and now I'm uh, kind of getting into the midst of harvest, my first full-time season, being there every single day, and yeah, it changes your perspective. It's- All right, so the perspective, you obviously been around it. You're a smart kid. Uh, you were around it when you were 17. I'm sure they said, hey, go and grab that truck and move down there and do all this. But now it starts to be a little different because it's not just you doing stuff around there. It's like, well, wait a minute. This might be my profession. This might be my mm-hmm. business. I might have money invested here. In just that short amount of time, what's what perspective hits you the most? That it's your job, that this is going to be your career, that it's about the money, uh, that you're going to be going into debt to join this operation if you decide you want to plow into it? What is it? What struck you? Um, 
yeah, it's just kind of a total paradigm shift from being uh, here on the weekends, uh, part-time doing stuff to just in it full-time. Right. And um, I guess trying to prove my spot here, trying to earn my spot on the team, I guess, that I can be counted on. I'm. Do you feel that? Do you feel that stress? That there's a stress to earn your spot on the team? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Most people would say that there's not because, you, after all, you're you're uh, you're a, a legacy. This the sign over there says established 1881. Yeah. Your name's Garrett. Yeah, uh, established 1881. That means we've been we've been doing this out here for 140 years. Surely your spot on the team was reserved. Yeah, no, I don't feel that way <laughs> quite at all. Um, uh, my dad always likes to say there's no free lunches, and um, I feel I had to earn this spot to be able to get this offer to come home and now I want to prove myself that this is the right spot and that I've got what it takes I guess I, I want to live up to that line that 140 years that I'm the next one well there's a little stress that goes with that is, that, is it the stress of the 140 years thing or is it the fact that um, is it the legacy part of it or is it the you know you're still just a 22 year old and that, no offense but you know you know sometimes maybe that there's a lot you don't know is it the stress of the legacy or the stress of the knowledge yeah it's kind of the, kind of the latter there um i guess coming into this operation there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces there's a lot of moving parts ag. there's a lot of moving parts there's extreme ag there's a trucking business there is a cattle business there is a cropland there's probably a couple other things i'm forgetting about so there's a lot of moving parts does it overwhelm you no i try not to let it overwhelm me but it's it's just kind of the game moves fast and um moves fast right now and i'm kind of coming in as the low man on the totem pole i guess and i just want to get my spot each and every day do what i can do uh the legacy part of it i didn't come from anything like that my uh my family they were tenant farmers for people essentially herdsmen um the the first uh, farmland owned by somebody named mason was uh the place that uh where i was raised my dad bought it so i didn't have a lot of the legacy thing but i still had the idea that i was going to buy it and there's a certain amount of tie that i had to it there's also no place for me coming back so my relationship with the farm and my outlook was very different than yours did you always think hey there's this thing that's been going on for 140 years i'm coming back to it yeah, that realization hit me, I don't know, in school sometime. I just, doing this on the weekends every time, and at some point you realize that you just love it and you can imagine anything else, I guess. So there was never a time when you, like even a year or so ago, said, I guess I'm probably just going to go get a job with corporate America. No, no, they really, <laughs> I never really imagined that, I guess. I People always tell you to think about it, and I, I think about it, and I, I can't imagine doing that. I much rather <laughs> by the way connor and i are sitting here it's the end of the day it's dark outside we're drinking a coors banquet uh so if you happen to be watching this uh this is part of the fun you know you're a 22 year old now you're like a grown-up so you get to have a you get to have a beer at the end of the day and kind of look back at what you did you look back at what you did the last six months what are you proud of and what do you um uh think man I'm, I'm really glad i was able to be part of that for the last six months uh it's the the hardest days stand out, I guess. You know, everything's broke down, everything's going wrong, and you're kind of there to help make it go right. Whether you, got a, you got a certain amount of admiration in, in the fact or uh, that uh, self-pride that you were the one that said, I don't care if everything's broken down and we're having a hell of a time, I'm going to make sure I persevere through this. So you kind of feel like you, you fought a few battles? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Managing people, is that a strength or a weakness? 
of yours that you see yourself when you look at all these moving parts. This is not a one-man band. This has got a couple dozen employees around this operation. Do you see yourself being a manager of human capital five years from now? Five years from now, I'd say, yeah. Today, not at all. Your dad should be the manager? Yeah. <clears throat> being a tactician, is that a strength of yours? Dialing in on a task, fixing the irrigation problem, making sure the grain leg works, is that your thing? Um, I've never really been a mechanically-minded person, I guess. When I was a kid uh, coming up, then I became a comedian, and I sat down with a professional comedian early in my career. I was 25 years old. He said, are you a writer or a presenter? And I said, well, I'm both. I said, I have to be. He says, of course you do. But eventually you're going to find that you're probably better at one than the other. Hmm. I said, yeah. He says, almost nobody is good at both. And I said, that makes sense to me, meaning you're a presenter or you're a writer. I'd say there's some things about that also. You're the mechanically minded guy that makes sure the grain leg is going, or you're the person that makes sure the business is going. Maybe you're the manager of the human capital, or you're the manager of the uh, the inventory. There's just a lot to be managed, and, and you must admit what a strength is. What's your strength and what's your weakness? You just said you're not mechanical. You don't want to be the guy here wrenching on stuff. Well, I kind of... I've learned about that in the last couple of years. I didn't grow up with that. My dad and grandpa, they're not mechanics by any stretch. I don't want to be a mechanic either, so I, 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 I understand. So what is it that you want to do? What is it you gravitate to? What is it your strength is? You can hire a mechanic because it sounds like that's what you're thinking you're going to do. What are you going to, what are you going to not hire? What are you going to do? I guess I'm a dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> I like to look at the long-term ideas, plans, what we can put in. Um, We'd like to call that visionary. visionary visionary versus dreamer. Dreamer means that they uh, they they tap their toes together and say, "I wish I, I wish this would happen." <laughs> visionary says, "I'm going to make That's it happen." That's better. I like that a lot. A visionary better. says, "I'm going to make it happen. I will this to happen." And a dreamer says, "I wish it would happen." Uh, okay, so your your thinking outlook is your thing. Uh, vision is your thing. What about people your age? What do you think that? we don't know about them. I'm double your age, actually more than that. I'm 52 years old. Your old man's 46. What is it that we maybe need to understand about the guys and gals like you that are 22? Um, is there anything we're missing? Is there anything we don't understand? Are we getting anything wrong? I guess that we're just trying to, we're trying to prove something. We're trying to prove that, you know, you got a lot of guys out here with a lot more experience than me, a lot more going, they've been doing this for years and I'm coming in I'm, I'll let them take the lead, but I've got something to prove too. I want to show that I belong here. And you've said that a few times, Connor. Yeah. So I here's the thing: myself, I that's guess. all right. Well, I want to question that. Do you think that most folks that are, uh, you know, guys and gals are 21, 23, 25? Do you think that that they're they're feeling this thing about proof that, uh, that I'm hearing you say because? Um, it sounds like maybe you've you've got this idea that uh, we're not um, we're not sold on you, and you want to make sure that by golly we are. Is that what's going on? I don't know. I guess I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder sometimes. But... That's all right. We all I did. Um, <clears throat> what about your uh, your your thing that you think? Oh man, I dropped the ball on this. Anything in your first six months here, your first season on the farm? Did you drop the ball several times? All right, give me a couple examples. Um, I guess the funniest one that gets brought up as a story the most, I I pulled up the Jeep behind the planter, filled the planter, and then I, 
I like to have the rows planted nice and straight on the corn on the bottom there for the contest. Uh-huh. That gets looked at a lot. And so I backed up to get squared away while I had parked the Jeep. Yeah, so, so you erected erect into a car. That was a poor decision. I didn't even know it till I was coming back. That's a mechanical <laughs> accident. That's a mechanic. No, nobody died. Any other mistakes? Anything that you did uh, that wasn't a mechanical mistake, but you knew that you made a mistake, maybe on a decision on like... Um, uh, something a practice you did or uh, anything like cost us money other than a mechanical mistake Remember, oh. if you're in this business you're probably at connor at some point you're going to uh you're probably going to uh you know make a decision that might cost you fifty thousand dollars and you'd be like son of a bitch i just cost the operation fifty thousand dollars well you know like i said like you said i'd like to think of myself as a visionary i guess like to practice as that and uh one of the biggest things we we're excited about this year was planting 15 inch corn and you can look back, and I talked about it some, the great theoretical approach we had to plant 15-inch corn at the same population, and we we're going to have maximized area per plant. So the person that's listening to this that's not a corn producer, in the old days, in the old, old days, they had 48-inch rows, then they had 36-inch rows, then they had 30-inch rows. And so a couple of years ago, I started hearing people saying, we're going to plant corn on 15-inch rows. And so... Now that I've given that background, it was still new to you, but you said, I'm the young guy. Young guys are supposed to do these new crazy things, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay, so you said, Dad, let's plant some 15-inch rows. And? It sucked. Uh-huh. Um, the population was still what you were prescribed. You still yep. did it the way you were told you should do it. Yep. And, um, you know, my thoughts were, instead of having 30 inches on the sides and five to six inches in there we're going to space that out to 11 we're going to have kind of a square and maximize the area to this plant and that'll optimize the sunlight coming in per plant got it but um when we did the trial out here just up the hill from here the uh yield was not any better than the 30 inch rows we did them side by side and it took a lot longer to combine than any any 30 inch we wasted several days we had one machine down wasting several days on 130 acres of corn while the other two kept rolling on the rest of our stuff and it, it slowed us down okay so did it lose money other than well, some time time money but lost um, some time money and some machine time money yeah but overall no it's a it's a trial that's what it's for and the trial told you let's not plant 15 inch corn again okay so at least not right now with the way things are right now. Mm-hmm. Is that the is that, is that your first experiment? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of ballsy. I like it. Uh, granted, it wasn't your money, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. That was a that was a trial for dad. But okay, uh, that's kind of you did that. And so, what are you going to try next year? A young twenty two year old person has to always bring some new concept, some new thing. You've got to still be bringing mm-hmm. something. What are you going to bring next year? Uh, I just really want to increase the. Uh, the natural approach, I guess. I want to keep pushing our carbon sequestration, our biological activities. Mm-hmm. I want to improve our soil health. Yep. And I want to use that to lower the synthetics we're putting on, lower our yep. fertilizer inputs, lower our chemical inputs. Yep. And um, I believe we can be more profitable, more sustainable, and do a better job that way, be more efficient. Yeah, so you're talking about more more things that uh, it's not that you're against use, utilization no. of synthetics. It's just that you want to try and utilize stuff that works um, more with nature and uh, capitalize on regenerative concepts when you can. Yeah, so uh, I'm a believer in the free market. 
I'm not uh I'm not hanging out with a sign saying that we need to end fertilizers. Yes. I believe that we can make more money by using utilizing natural processes to increase our mineralization of different nutrients. And uh, I think that's the way to go in the future and I want to experiment and figure that out. Yeah, I got you. Uh first first year as the farm guy, um did you get stressed? Yeah, yeah, I got stressed on on several occasions, yeah. Whether Anything it was in the planter, in the combine, outward, name it, I got stressed about it. What well, stressed time. you? Um, sometimes you you feel like you don't know what you're doing. You're you're brand new out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes things just don't seem like they're going well. Um, sometimes you know it's it's just tough. But uh, at the end of the day, you come home and you realize that you're pretty blessed to have this opportunity and not. Connor, you um, you got a grandfather that's still alive, and he just came down. And you went and fetched some cattle with him, and then you mm-hmm. got your dad, and then you got a couple of generations previous to that, and then you got your brothers. Do you see your brothers being in business with you on this farming operation and this uh, entity five years from now, ten years from now? I would say that's pretty likely. Yeah. <clears throat> is there anything? Is, is there? Is there, do you have any concerns as a twenty-two-year-old saying, oh, "God, I hope that uh, that youngest one uh, doesn't piss me off like he used to when we were on uh, road trips to uh, as, as a kid"? Anything like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's certainly an element of that, but I, Pers- person- got- personalities. Yeah, yeah, personalities. You know how it goes, but um, I think we've got a pretty good system here in place that everybody can kind of slide into their role and. Um, it's not a great fear of mine by any means. Anything that does concern you? Long term, um, no. I just kind of live with the belief that we're going to make it work no matter what it is. <clears throat> what makes you optimistic? Um, you sit there and say, you know what's really cool? This. We're just kind of in a, a rapidly changing industry. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the average age of a farmer in America? Yeah, they say 59, 60 years old, and everybody always talks about that. And you're saying, hell, I'm, I'm, I'm just barely over 20. I got, I got plenty of time, which is all fine. Um, so that, that's fine. Um, you would probably be more likely to be adoptive and adaptive than the 60 or 70-year-old, although your father's very adoptive and adaptive. That's why he started the Extreme Ag. Do you think you're as much of a risk taker as your old man? Uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, it, you know, it's, it's different. Uh, a lot of people come home and, and, uh, they have, dad says it was always done this way and this is the way we're going to do it. And mm-hmm. you got to try to push to get any change. But, uh, around here I come from some progressive farmers, I guess. And my dad and grandpa are always willing to try something new to, if that's going to be the best way. And I, it's lucky I get to learn from a couple guys like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I want to continue that for sure. What did we not talk about? What do we not talk about here? You know, I'm 30 years older than you mm-hmm. about the the generational thing coming in to the business. What did I miss? What did you say? Uh, you know, here's something, Damon, you're not even thinking about anything. You know, it's just uh, <clears throat> you take a lot of pride in uh, coming into something that's 140 years old. Like you said, my family's been on this ground and um, I want to do by, right by them. I've mm-hmm. been given an opportunity because of what they've done. Um, I know I'm very blessed to have that opportunity and, uh, I'm just going to do everything I can to do it the right way, I guess. And there's no right way. 
There's no right way. There's certainly probably a couple of wrong ways. <laughs> so I, I guess that. if you avoid the wrong ways, then that, then that's a good thing also. You've got uh, a neat situation here. That's cool that you're uh, excited about it. Other people your age, <clears throat> what do you see in them that maybe I don't? And I'm 30 years older. Is there anything I'm missing about the, the young crowd? I mean, you talked about opportunities. Is there anything I'm missing? Are they tough enough? Everybody wants to say that the kids today aren't tough as tough as the they used to be, and things aren't what they used to They're be. Tough enough to get through bad times. Yeah, I think um, people never fundamentally change as much as they think they do. It's just the older generation looks at the younger generation a lot differently. It's a grand old tradition among everybody, but particularly among ag people, to bitch about mm-hmm. the next generation. I wasn't doing that. That's why I thought I'd get your perspective. I uh, I say that um, <clears throat> there's plenty of good young people. I've, I see them at my speaking engagements. I think uh, I think we're probably right. But then also... There's been there's been kids that have been coddled and yeah. uh, pre- prevented from toughening up uh, for centuries, um, and yep. uh, that's not an issue of, with a generation. Um, <clears throat> there is there anything that gets you really excited about what's happening in farming? Is there anything you talked about the technology? Is there anything that gets you excited about what's happening in agriculture? Like is there anything that you're like, you know what, crap, my grandpa doesn't even understand this, but I see this. Anything like that? <laughs> Like I said, the average age of the farmer is getting older. We're going to have a huge turnover here in the next 20 years. We're going to have so much of main commodity production already covered, Connor, that all of a sudden it's going to be like, of course we can devote uh, 100 acres over here to this mm. you know, new, new venture because we already are growing 300 bushel of corn over there, and we didn't do that 20 years ago, yep. 50 years ago, because we needed every, every bushel we could get generally. Um, is that what you're thinking? You're gonna do you see looking out over here the Garrett land and cattle operation that there's gonna be a hundred acres of some oddball crop, uh, organic kernza someday yeah. or uh, buckwheat? I would love that. I'd love to grow a five crop rotation. I'd love to have all those new things because that just opens up more diverse opportunities, yes. diversifying your investment. Yep. And I love that from a systems perspective yep. because when you go corn and soy every year or just corn in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. you optimize the environment that's preying on your corn, mm-hmm. your insects, your disease, what have you. When you get that many crops in the rotation, you diversify your system so much. And um, I just love that going forward. And that's my that's one of my main goals. You know, I wish you had said that earlier until uh, we didn't wait until we got this late in the podcast, because I agree with you. There's going to be more opportunity for diversification of crops, just kind of like there was a long, long time ago. Is the infrastructure going to be there? Is there going to be a place down in Dow City, Iowa is going to take your organic buckwheat? I don't know about Dow City, but there will be some place. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other opportunity you see that maybe I don't. Other opportunity that some person that's a little less, shall we say, um, um, aggressively uh, um, optimistic, what might see? Do you see any other opportunity? Because I see it on direct-to-market meat. I see Uh it direct-to-market on a lot of things. But the direct-to-market's tough when you're in rural Iowa or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Will there be sub-markets spring up? I'm thinking that's pretty likely. Uh, I think. Just with the whole COVID-19 pandemic, with everything, we're looking at uh, a lot more regionalization in a lot of things and a lot of supply chains, Um, and that excites me. I'd like to regionalize uh, whole food, the food system, and I I love that direct-to-market stuff going forward, and I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities with that.
So you see yourself here because right now you're mostly commodity oriented, although we're venturing into some new beef uh, territory. Mm -hmm. You see yourself growing that side of things. I would love to if the opportunity presents itself. Well, maybe the opportunity doesn't present itself. You you create, create the, opportunity. the opportunity. I love that too. You're okay with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, around here, rural rural places in general are very entrepreneurial minded. If you think about it, about the way they can create value out of out of nothing. And yeah. if we can create those opportunities, I, I that excites me even more. Anything else that we haven't talked about that we should have in our time together? The 22-year-old in his first year, you're, start, you're starting to talk about opportunities. You're looking at all these different things. Is there anything that we've missed? Anything that you're saying, hey, here's this other thing? You know, it's just nice to have skin in the game, I guess. Uh, got to rent a couple hundred acres this year and, and do it all myself and yeah, you you get a new perspective from that. Um, checking the corn market goes from being something you just check to see what dad and grandpa are talking about when you're 10 years old to now that's your dollars and cents that you're going to have the rest of the year going around and, uh, you know, having skin in the game, I guess. That's that's a big part of coming home. What about getting along on a family level and a personal level? This will be my last topic because everybody manages this in a family business. Family farming operations are even more of a challenge. Uh, was there a time when you wanted to say, go screw yourself, Dad? Yeah, growing up we've had we uh -huh. had plenty of hell. About your first about your first year of being in the biz? Yeah, no, we haven't had too bad of an argument yet. <laughs> if it came down to it, could you take him? You think he's still he's still he's still kind of yeah, tough? They've got that that dad strength they talk about. You know how that goes. But I've, he's getting he's getting slowed up a little bit. <laughs> so you get along? Yeah, yeah, we get along great. And, What's uh, your recommendation to anybody that. listening right now that has a, a son or daughter or a father or mother that they're uh, struggling with on that regard? Any recommendation that you'd give that's served you well in this in this first year of you working in the family biz? Um. It's all about communication, and you know, you know my dad. He's better at that than me. He's a he's an over communicator, probably. And he'll talk everything out, and uh, he'll talk anything out that you want to. And sometimes it just pisses you off how reasonable he can be when he's trying to talk it out with you, and mm -hmm. you just want to be mad. Mm -hmm. um, talk things out, work things out, over communicate, and that's something I need to do better. I know. So that. he's a good communicator. Over communicates a recommendation, and uh, that's your that's your. That's your statement on how to get along uh, with other people coming into it. Uh, is there anything else? Uh, I don't know. Do you think there's anything else? I don't know. You did a pretty good job with this. You know, you're uh, you said you're not a great uh, you're, you're a little nervy type, but I told you we'd just <laughs> drink a beer and talk about it like a couple old farm guys hanging out. You know, talking about the crops. You think there's opportunity for these other people to, to do these things, and I do too, and that's what excites me, and I think, that, dear listener and viewer, that's what you should be excited about. So if you've got a son or daughter that's going to be coming into the operation, um, about responsibilities. Your old man give you enough responsibility? Yeah, yeah, there's plenty. He'll uh, he'll give me whatever I'll, I'll ask for when it comes to a responsibility perspective, and you just got to go for it. I remember hearing all those stories about people that were 60-some years old that had their kid that was like 35 years old and still wasn't making any decisions. And I'm yeah. like, well, you're teaching them to never be capable of making a decision, I yep. guess, at this point. Um, so you're making some more and more decisions. Uh, you looking forward to next year? Absolutely. You're going to make more decisions? Yeah, yeah. You're going to uh, make more money? 
if all goes well. You go back the planter into the automobiles? We'll try to strike that off the list for next year, yeah. <laughs> you got one big venture you're going to try next year? This year I was just kind of getting my feet wet, working out everything. I think next year I'll uh, probably make a lot more agronom- agronomic decisions for the farm, and um, hopefully we'll get a lot of cool trials going again. Yeah, good. So you're going to be becoming more and more involved, as it should be. His name is Connor. They call him Vern. I don't know. He seems like a nice kid. Uh, I hope that this episode of Cutting the Curve allowed you to think through and reflect on your relationship, whether you're the the generation coming in or the generation handing over. Uh, these are always uh, interesting discussions and are always sometimes difficult discussions, but uh, you just heard it from here. Being an over-communicator, uh, allow the kid to screw up a little bit, but also uh, uh, communicate with them, and then more importantly, uh, start handing things over to them and waive responsibilities. Some of the big takeaways that I just got right there. This is Extreme Eggs, Cutting the Curve. Till next time. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions. 